Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This week, we are talking about AMC and Universal's new theatrical release deal. This is an update, like to uh, to whenever uh, AMC said we're never going to play uh, Universal <laughs> films on our on our screens again. Yeah, uh, they did. They did say that a few months back. Uh, they made that very wild and bombastic claim, and I, if I remember correctly, I think we called them out on that, John. <laughs> we did. We said that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, we, we said poppycock. There's <laughs> that exact <laughs> word comes yeah. to mind. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I distinctly I remember. remember. I, yeah, if I remember specifically, it was the word poppycock. Uh, it was directly after you, you put the monocle in the yeah. ear. Uh, poppycock, see? Um, uh, so, cocked your uh, top hat to the side. You we'll know? talk about that and kind of update. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I put, I, uh, and I, I banged my cane emphatically. <laughs> yes. Stroking your mustache, you know, giant yes. mustache. Yes. Um, so we'll uh, we'll update you all on that, and uh, you know the the ramifications of it's more. It, honestly, it's it's more kind of like um, more Corona based like ramifications on mm-hmm. the theater industry, and whether that's good or bad, I don't know. We'll talk about it and discuss yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and I, I, I was shaken by it. Like whenever I saw it, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, that's, a, that's kind of a big deal. So it is, it is a big deal. Um, it's well, and it'll also, well, yeah, we'll talk about it. I don't want to get into it now. Um, and then uh, we also will run down the 2020 Emmy nominations because there's some cool, uh, some cool shows that got some got nominated this year. Um, but first, John, uh, what have you been up to this week? Oh man, this week not a ton. Still, uh, still out away from away from the uh, the the home base. So uh, so away from the the Xbox. That's really so. I've been playing my Switch a lot more, um, which has been which has been really fun. I'm diving into back into like Luigi's Mansion and uh, and a lot of the games on my Switch that are just like awesome to go. But because we've been home for literally like four months or whatever, hadn't gotten really a big chance to like play because like whenever my xbox is sitting right there i it's hard for me to like be like oh i'm gonna go pl- play that on the switch you know um it almost has to be a uh, a game that's good for like hey watch something on the tv and also play this thing um most of the time whenever i'm not watching something and then also wanting to play it'll be just like well why not just play on the xbox like just play your your indie games there on the on the the big screen with the big graphics that sort of thing um so i've been playing my switch a lot which is uh which is really fun man I, that is still an excellent piece of hardware um, that I very much enjoy a lot of the games on. Yeah, I still haven't picked up Luigi's Mansion. Uh, you're playing Lu- the new one, right? Luigi's yeah, Mansion Luigi's Mansion 3. 3. Yes, 3. The one on the Switch. So, yeah. Yeah, I still haven't picked that up yet. I uh, I really want to. I just haven't uh, pulled the trigger on it. It is I, a gorgeous game, dude. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I hit a level like last night where I uh, I like like got in there. I was like, oh my gosh, this looks so good. Like, and, and again, mm-hmm. like I said, it's you know, it's it's more less powerful hardware than like an Xbox or whatever like that. But like that game, I don't know. Like, there there's some wizardry under the hood there um, because it is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous game. So that's cool. Um, Cool. Well, uh, I've, I'm kind of in the same boat only like I haven't been traveling, but I, uh, 
uh, I mean, honestly, other than just like kind of like plucking at Warzone and uh, picking up a few more wins, um, nice. I haven't haven't really been doing a ton. We did um, uh, the, the the I think the oh wait I'll talk I got to talk about this. Sorry, uh, baseball's back. That's yes. the uh, that's the big update. Uh, finally, and and actually today tonight I'm probably gonna I'm gonna try to pop up pop on uh, and watch a game after we get done podcasting here. Nice. Uh, the NBA is back. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, because they're down at, uh, at Walt Disney World in, in yeah. the bubble or whatever they call it, the blue yeah, bubble so they, or something. Yeah, they're down at Walt, Walt Disney World all kind of quarantines together playing um, out the rest of the season that got postponed. Um, the uh, baseball season, um, this is like a 60-game um, uh, shortened season, brand-new season, 2020 season, uh, and they're playing – Basically staying in the same kind of geographical locations so they don't have to travel mm. as much. Mm-hmm. Um, playing shorter games because they've done some, like, or tried to do some game shortening, uh, institute some game shortening rules, which, like, off, off like, kind of kind of an offshoot conversation is hopefully those don't become permanent rules. It's, things, yeah. it's, it's, it's silly things like uh, you don't want to be permanent because it's like, Okay, if you go into extra innings, every single inning, each team starts with a runner on second base. What? That's it's, weird. Yeah, it's no, it's one hundred percent like church softball rules. That's so like, strange. That's what's happening here. That feels um, that feels like such a like such a a a a weight like it's weighted towards the the first team. Like so, it's weighted well, towards the, what is it? Well, the, it's the, not the a, team it's almost? not no. Well, it's not like first person who scores it, like it would be in like. Okay. Hockey or something like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So if it was hockey, yeah, like that. I mean, I don't know. You're right. Uh, okay. Yeah, baseball, you're right. They the, both... the, then everybody has the the same chance. Like, because yeah. the next team, like the home team, comes up and they they have a person on second. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still like, okay, come on, you know, just like, yeah. can we not win? You know, it's, it's fine for it's fine for what they're trying to do. I get it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the cooler, funnier things are, uh, number one, they are they sent iPads to all the teams. Major League Baseball did with crowd noise and so nice. there's there's fake crowd noise and they have like different buttons to press if it's a double single strikeout all this kind of stuff so it's Dude, it's weird that's cool. yeah it's it's like i don't it's like a it, soundboard it's you know, kind of kind of cool honestly like it's uh as a viewer it's kind of annoying because it's like the crowd isn't always the same volume mm-hmm. level you know like mm-hmm. sometimes they're all just sitting back there just eating their hot dogs or whatever and there's but like right now, there's just a constant. <sighs> yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I while watching on television many times, I have also felt like the crowd mics like were too loud in the mix a lot of you know sometimes, just in general, where it's just like man, I can barely hear like the like what's going on like the announcers or whatever sometimes, and that's usually like in like postseason where it's like everybody like it's just that right, loud in the right. stadium. Totally. Um, but you know, so it's like if it's if it's fake, and it's like like you said, just one dynamic level. It feels like that would be, uh, I don't know, laugh trackish almost. You know, yeah, like sit- it, sitcom I mean, almost. It's not. It, sometimes you forget. Sometimes it feels pretty good, but sometimes you're just like, man, that's you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of clap in there for that uh, that weird <laughs> you know strikeout that d- didn't make any sense. But yeah, like I think the I mean the reason they're doing it is number one to kind of make the the broadcast more dynamic, but two, so just so like, you know, for instance, the, the batter can't hear the, uh, catcher shifting behind them to know mm. that they're actually throwing a ball outside the strike zone or something like that. You know, like mm. just like weird things you wouldn't even think about. 
um, that would happen in, a, in an empty stadium with no crowd noise. Man, that's fascinating. Like, I hadn't thought about the fact that, like, if they're playing each other and they can't, like, they can they can hear every move that they're making. Yeah, yep. that would give away some things. Like, that yeah. would be for sure. Like, oh, I know that I know that the catcher is sitting there, or I know that, like, man, that's uh, that's fascinating, dude. Totally. Um, so I've been I've been watching a lot of that, um, and uh, I'm I'm excited that it's back, and uh, it just kind of makes it finally feels like summer now, John. I mean. For a while there, we were stuck in the uh, in the in the always always winter or the always spring. <laughs> the know? always yeah, it's, the, it was the, the ever spring. The always the ever yeah, like the er, <laughs> ever early spring. That's right, and but it was uh, crazy hot outside. And yeah, and there was just like, why is it ninety degrees in the in the spring? You know, yeah, um, yeah. But now, yeah, you're right. Like it's it has a, a it's like well, it's definitely summer now. So, yep. so for everyone out there who loves sports, sports are back. Go ahead and uh, watch some of them and. Uh, yeah. You have something more to do, you know, yes. like while you're, while you're at home. Yes. Um, John. Yes. Later on, we're going to talk about AMC and Universal and their deal. But first. <laughs> the news! <laughs> what was that noise? <laughs> that, was De- that was Dez right outside the door. He must have dropped oh, something. I hear him going, uh-oh, afterwards. <laughs> nice. Uh, the news, John. All right, so we're going to run through the Emmy nominations, 2020 Emmy nominations, briefly. Um, we won't talk about all these shows, but yeah. like the ones, you know, like, I mean, and honestly, we won't talk about the ones that we know a ton about um, at length necessarily, but I just want to run through the, these and uh, it'll be cool to see who wins. So starting off with the big awards, uh, best drama series, uh, the nominees are Better Call Saul, The Crown, the Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession. So the two that are callouts that I want to make in that one, like that, that are kind of big deals to like in my mind. Like first of all, would be The Mandalorian because like yeah. it's a sci-fi show. Like it's this is like it's a uh, it's interesting that this like kind of genre show like making it into one of the big categories there. Also, Stranger Things, similar deal. Where it's yeah. this, you know, it's it's this uh, this very kind of, you know, I won't say it's it's niche from an audience perspective, but definitely from like a sci-fi horror film kind of or horror aesthetic, um, it definitely doesn't necessarily fit like that, the the typical mold of what you would anticipate as like you know the best drama nominations. Yes, yeah. I do want to I do want to call out that um, the uh, biggest TV platform. Nomination. Who got the most nominations? Interesting. It's the two of them: Netflix with 160 nominations and HBO with 107. So not even uh, any of the broadcast networks. It blows my mind, man. And, and yep. that part of it, like because streaming is such a big deal, um, like and seems like seems like all the award shows, like they've well, maybe not the Oscars yet, but um, right. you know, they're they're they are more open to those types of things and honestly like if i think about like where do i consume my tell like i consume pretty much only streaming services like there's very limited number of things that are on broadcast tv um right now that i you know that i actually consume there you know yeah i mean i can count them on one hand you yeah. know it's like it's a uh, uh, bob's burgers yep. um brooklyn 99 yep it's always sunny in philadelphia I mean, and I think that's it. (laughs) And they're all like, they're all comedies. Like they're all like kind of the same, you know, the, the same, um, they fall in that same bucket of like comedy where it's like drama in, in many cases, you know, is on those big 
kind of services where it's where it's either like HBO or on like Netflix and that sort of thing. Like that's where I consume dramas, really. Yeah, um, let's I mean, just let's just look at this. Better Call Saul. Okay, so that's on FX. Yeah. The The Crown is Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Handmaid's Tale is Hulu. Mm-hmm. Killing Eve. I don't know where that's at. Mm, that either. might be a network. Uh, Mandalorian, Disney Plus, Ozark, Netflix, Stranger Things, Netflix. Succession is HBO. Yeah, I mean it's like, it, yeah, that's that's hilarious. Like that's amazingly like it's it's almost almost all of them. All of them except for like a couple of them are cable like things, but none of them are are network really. Like none of them are right. are, are just available for nothing. So. Uh, Best comedy series, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Dead to Me, The Good Place, Insecure, The Comiskey Method, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Mrs. Maisel, sorry, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Schitt's Creek, and What We Do in the Shadows. Nice. Limited series, Little Fires Everywhere, Mrs. America, Unbelievable, Unorthodox, and Watchmen, uh, which I still have yet to watch the the latest Watchmen series. Um, yeah. I like I'm not no reason other than I just don't subscribe to HBO right now. Right. And that's the thing like whenever it, it came out it came out like right after I think um Game of Thrones like uh, it, yeah. a, a few weeks after or whatever. So it's like I feel like a lot of people did cancel like their their HBO subscription after like uh, Game of Thrones like oh that's over cancel. Well, it's it. just hard. It's hard whenever it's a you know like a brand, well a brand new series that you don't know mm-hmm. if it's going to be good mm-hmm. to you know commit to $15 a month uh for HBO yeah. whenever you're like hey I could just wait until this whole thing's out grab it for a month and right. binge it and that's where i'm at with a lot of the the streaming services just in general is like you know with with cbs it's like okay well i'm considering getting yeah. that next month because it's like well picard season one's on there like there's a lot of things on there where it's like okay cool i can dive into this but i i don't know if i would dive in and do an ongoing subscription for anything besides like netflix or disney plus or hulu yeah. you know really like the big the no big, we should the big three you know we should do we should review picard season one Ooh, that could be really fun yeah, I could be I could be convinced for that. All right, uh, lead actress actress in a drama series: Jennifer Aniston in The Morning Show, Olivia Coleman in The Crown, Jodie Comer in Killing Eve, Laura Linney in Ozark, Sandra Oh in Killing Eve, and Zendaya in Euphoria. Lead actor in a drama series: Jason Bateman in Ozark, Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us, Steve Carell, The Morning Show, Brian Cox in Succession, Billy Porter in Pose, and Jeremy Strong in Succession. So that, that was in a drama series. This is lead actress in a comedy series: Christina Applegate in Dead to Me, Rachel Bro- Brosnahan in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Linda Cardellini in Dead to Me, Catherine O'Hara in Schitt's Creek, Issa Rae in in Insecure, Tracy Ellis Ross in Blackish, lead actor in a comedy series, Anthony Anderson in Blackish, John Don Cheadle in Black Monday, Tan- Ted Danson in The Good Place, Michael Douglas in The Kaminsky Method, Eugene Levy in Schitt's Creek, and Rami Youssef in Rami. Lead actress in a limited series or movie, mm. Kate, Kate Blanchett in Mrs. America. Shira Haas in Unorthodox, Regina King in Watchmen, Octavia Spencer in Self-Made, Inspired by the Life of Madame C.J. Walker, Carrie Washington in Little Fires Everywhere, lead actor in a limited series or movie, Jeremy Irons in Watchmen, Hugh Jackman in Bad Education, Paul Mescal in Normal People, Jeremy Pope in Hollywood, Mark Ruffalo, which I've been wanting to watch here, Hollywood, it's on mm-hmm. Netflix, Mark Ruffalo in I Know This Much Is True. Supporting actress in a drama series, Helena Botham Carter in The Crown, Laura Dern in Big Little Lies, Julia Garner in Ozark, Thandie Newton in Westworld, 
Fiona Shaw and Killing Eve, Sarah Snook in Succession, Meryl Streep in Big Little Lies, Samara Wiley in The Handmaid's Tale. And sorry if this is weird. They don't have commas between the, the names and the shows. Oh, so no. It's, it's, uh, I feel like I'm reading these awkward. I mean, why, might, uh, why not, not put spaces as well, Chris? They should just put yeah, everything just cram together. It all together. You know? uh, Nicholas Braun in Succession, Billy Crudup in The Morning Show, Kieran Culkin in Succession, Mark Duplass in The Morning Show, Giancarlo Esposito in Better Call Saul, Matthew McFadden in Succession, Bradley Whitford in The Handmaiden's Tale, Jeffrey Wright in Westworld. Supporting actress in a comedy series. Um, sorry, this is the first time we're going through comedy series. Supporting actress in a comedy series. Alex Borstein in The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Darcy Carden in The Good Place. Betty Gilpin in Glow. Marin Hinkle in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Kate McKinnon, Saturday Night Live. And Annie Murphy in Schitt's Creek. Yvonne Orji in Insecure. Cicely Strong in Saturday Night Live. Supporting actor in a comedy series. Mahershala Ali in Rami. Uh, yeah, Alan Arkin, The Kaminsky Method. Andre Brogger in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm. Sterling K. Brown, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. William Jasper Harper, The Good Place. Daniel Levy, Schitt's Creek. Tony Shalhoub in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Keenan Thompson, Saturday Night Live. The longest-running Saturday Night Live cast member, by the way. Uh, Of Uh, all time? Yeah, of all time. That's amazing. I love that. And plus, Uh, he's he's fantastic, so. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Supporting actress in the limited series or movie. Uh, Didn't we already go through this? Supporting actress. Oh, no, the supporting actress. Sorry. We did actress. Uh, Uzo Aduba in Mrs. America. Tony Collette in Unbelievable. Margot Martindale in Mrs. America. Gene Smart in Watchmen. Holland Taylor in Hollywood. Tracy Ullman in Mrs. America. Supporting actor in the limited series or movie. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II in Watchmen. Yovan Adepo in Watchmen. Titus Burgess in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy versus the Reverend. Is there a new season of Kimmy Schmidt? I didn't know that. I think that Lewis, was the. That wasn't that the third. Is it a movie? I think it might have been. It was the, a movie. What? Yeah, okay, that that makes sense because I know that they had like they had the the few seasons and then there was like a special season or or so you're saying it's a movie so that makes sense. Lewis Gossett in uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. in Watchmen, Dylan McDermott in Hollywood, Jim Parsons in Hollywood, guest guest actress in a drama series, and this is, I didn't know we had guest actress uh, categories. Or guest actor comedy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I, I like how it's all like broken out. I do think lot. it's just so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. then at the same this is time, it. This is it. I also appreciate that they have like the comedy uh, broken out from the normal drama. Like, you know, totally. that's, that's nice because they are like really. If I think about them, like compare those things, and in, in one category would be kind of hard. Yeah, uh, Alexis Bledel and The Handmaiden's Tale, uh, Laverne Cox and Orange of the New Black, Cherry Jones and Succession. Felicia Rashad in This Is Us, Cicely Tyson, How to Get Away with Murder, Harriet Walter in Succession, guest guest actor in a drama series, Jason Bateman in The Outsider, Ron Cephas Jones in This Is Us, James Cromwell in Succession, Giancarlo Esposito in The Mandalorian, Andrew Scott, Black Mirror, Martin Short, The Morning Show, guest actress in a comedy series, Angela Bassett in A Black Lady Sketch Show, Bette Midler in The Politician, 
Maya Rudolph in The Good Place, Maya Rudolph in Saturday Night Live. That's wild. Wanda Sykes, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Saturday Night Live, guest actor in a comedy series, Adam Driver, Saturday Night Live, Luke Kirby, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live, Dev Patel in Modern Love, Brad Pitt on Saturday Night Live, and Fred Willard in Modern Family. Nice. I dig it, man. I, I I always love like whenever there are there are uh, actors like that are in two different like sh- nominated for in in two different like categories for two different types totally. of shows like Giancarlo yeah. Esposito and and yeah. all that like it's 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 really awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it just shows like the the breadth of their acting. Right. Right. Um, and so that's uh do you have anything else to talk about with that i don't think so i mean i i uh like i said like it's it's fascinating to me especially in the big category to have the mandalorian in there and then Stranger Things the, it's the well. first season of a star wars show and it just got nominated for an emmy yeah dude and uh, it, that's and, pretty cool and it's really good like it's a great show right you know yeah, it's like, totally. like but at the same time it is it's like man that's uh it's fascinating to see something that is that genre specifically of sci-fi like break through like that which is which is awesome yeah. i love it yep that's the news. All right, John. So um, I am going to read from a, uh, an article on IndieWire titled A 17-Day Window, The Biggest Change in Film Distribution History Since the Release of Jaws by Tom Bregerman. That's a great title. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, there's some history here, which is great. So I'm just going to kind of read it and uh, then we can kind of get into it here. I dig it. Um, In the late 1920s, sound replaced silent film. In 1949, the consent decree broke up studio ownership of theaters. In 1975, Jaws established the template of wide same-day national releases. And now, Universal and theater chain AMC Entertainment have made a historic agreement. It takes just 17 days before a major theatrical release is available online. By comparison, it once took years for movies to show up on TV. Mm. With the advent of the VCR, the lag time went from a year to six months. Mm. DVDs, and until recently, view on demand decreased that day, or sorry, decreased that to a 90-day window. Going forward, AMC theaters will play Universal and Focus Features films, and the studio has the right to provide the titles on premium view on demand as early as after three weekends of theatrical play. Per the agreement, the 90-day window for basic view on demand streaming and DVD Blu-ray release remains intact, which Mm -hmm. that seems weird. Yeah. So it's premium. So the difference there then, John, is premium view on demand. Right. Right. So like so like what they were doing where it was like fifteen dollars to download or to rent. Yeah, like where basically, you know, hey, you uh you pay more for this, you know, single rental uh during this early window or whatever. Um yeah. you know, and and th- because we were saying like, oh, it takes like especially with Scoob, like whenever we reviewed Scoob earlier this year, it was uh it was basically like, Oh, if you take everybody in your family to go see this thing, it's gonna cost like four times as much as the video on demand, like uh, the pre- premium video on demand price. Um, yeah. But even though the video on demand price, it was more expensive than if you were to like rent it after it came out on Blu-ray or something. Right, right. Uh, continuing on in the article, moving from 90 days to 17 may sound like switching out a picture window for a porthole, but the majority of a film's gross usually comes in the first three weekends, and the premium view-on-demand alternative isn't DVD rentals or streaming or standard view-on-demand. It's a purchase equal to two tickets at a theater, and with a delay. The That's crush- very question- specific. Yeah. The question now is if it's enough for theaters to survive. In their statement, the company has proclaimed this deal as standing up for theaters. That remains to be seen, but at least it's not a day and date 
17 days is a small win for theatrical primacy. Studios and exhibitors expected radical changes given the enormous damage of the pandemic, but few expected AMC and Universal to upset the paradigm on this scale, particularly after the heated public exchanges between NBC Universal CEO Jeff Schell and AMC Entertainment Chairman Adam Aaron. Schell told investors Universal would elevate premium view on demand as an option for first run films. Hmm. Aaron responded by saying AMC wouldn't play universal titles. And we talked about that a few, few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like really like near the beginning of, 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 uh, the pandemic and everything, you know, it's very I mean, early and I get it, you know, back then, I don't know that anyone thought it would last, you know, necessarily this long. Sure. And so like they were, you know, uh, universal was just like, seemed like they were just like willy nilly kind of releasing movies yeah. that were literally supposed to come out, you know, in theaters like that week. Right. Right, where it was just like, oh, you know, rather than any theatrical release, Scoob, here you go, you know, and that was like a month, I think, after the, uh, after, you know, everybody well, the fir- yeah, the, yeah, the first one with Premium View on Demand was The Invisible Man, and That's that came right. out like a week after, because all the right. theaters closed, you know. Blows, and that, like, that, that seems so far away. Um, I know. It, it just, it blows my mind just a little bit, like, that everything you know escalated to where we're at now where it's like literally amc is just like okay 17 days is fine you know yeah (laughs) anything just give us anything um by making this agreement with the biggest exhibitor other top chains regal and cinemark will be under pressure to and uh, to make similar deals Mm -hmm. at a minimum even if regal and cinemark declines to agree to the 17 day rule many exhibition chains and independents would jump in to take their place decides Despite some confusion in the initial release, AMC does not get an exclusive on Universal titles, which that would be weird. Yeah, that'd be super strange. Like, if it's like, oh, I can only go see the next Fast and Furious at an AMC theater. It's like that leaves Yeah, what out. about eight places in the country where there were no AMC theaters? Yeah, that's that basically like, you know, man, that's, 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 that would be very terrible. <laughs> no other studio or exhibitor has responded to the AMC Universal announcement, which was a tightly held secret among the key parties and timed for release after market closings. NATO, the Exhibitor Trade Association, and up to now a foe of smaller windows, says it said it doesn't comment on individual members' business dealings. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So we know there's a 17-day window, and Universal has total control of the titles and dates in their agreement. What we don't know are the revenue details. In this statement, Aaron said AMC is participating in the entirety of the economics of the new structure. That suggests that AMC has a piece of the p- uh, premium view-on-demand revenue, but we don't know if that's through its own view on demand platform or a share of the broader revenues, a reduction reduction on film rental or some combination of these also unknown. Can other exhibitors make similar deals? AMC has a view on demand platform, but most exhibitors don't. So that'll be, that's interesting. Like if you decide to put your movie on premium view on demand, then we get a cut of that. Yeah. And especially like, you know, and then like I said, it might just be on their, video on demand uh service which i get emails all the time about the amc video on demand service i haven't ever used it have you used it ever amc's no i don't yeah. even is it on netflix or sorry is it on xbox i think i think there's I an apple know. pretty much under like phone and you know that sort of thing an apple tv so um but i just I'm, I'm curious like what that experience would be like and i'm also curious like how much like if if during this time that everything's been closed, if they've seen enough movement on that by emailing their their uh, like a list preferred members and things like that, like you know like we were, um, if they've seen enough movement of like oh yeah I'll watch that on the the AMC's video on demand service. So there's an AMC app, but I wonder if this is the TV app mm. or let's see here. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Fear the Walking Dead. 
Oh, experiment. Uh, yeah, this doesn't look like movies. I'll install it just to see, but yeah, I mean, it does it, not look like movies. So it's not on Xbox. I mean, I, like I said, I've seen it on my phone, but like I don't know, man. It's. But do you watch movies on your phone? I don't. No, I mean, and that's the thing is, like, unless I don't know, unless they've seen like massive movement, I can't imagine that it was only like in agreement of like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll get that and we'll get the big, big percentage on the things that people stream on on our our app or whatever on our service um yeah. it seems oh, that like would make sense i mean obviously it would make sense if they're that they're getting a, that's where it kind of feels like maybe they are getting a bigger piece than that because yeah. like of course they would get a cut from something on their ser- streaming on their service right 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 i mean I, I yeah i mean and they are the largest uh, theater chain and so you would assume that if like say the other like largest uh, like the second largest like Regal or something like that um, came up and was like hey we want to also make the same deal that AMC made potentially they've left the door open to like also make revenue on the like where it's like oh well we're gonna give the theaters this percentage of the revenue that AMC would have gotten or something like that from those I mean, video on demand services. You've got to assume that Regal and Cinemark are out there trying to make the same kind of deal, right? Right, right. And that more studios are t- going to want to make this deal. And I would, if I was on the other side of that deal, like I, there's no reason not to do it. You know, there's no reason for a, a- AM, uh, not AMC for uh, for Universal to be like, no, we're not going to do the same deal we did for a- AMC for you. Um, yeah. and, you know, because like they want their movies in as many theaters as possible. They want the next Fast and Furious movie to be in as many theaters as possible. Um, but also they want the option to be able to put that on video on demand just in case no one ever goes back to another theater, you know? Can you look up while I'm reading this next like paragraph, can you look yeah. up the um, the amount of time that a – not right now because they changed the rules for this year, but the amount of time a movie has to be in theaters before it can be considered – for Academy Awards. Mm, yes. Because I wonder if it times out to that same three weeks, but mm, I don't know. Interesting. Uh, moving on with this. Streaming is all the rage as the theatrical alternative, but among the top three studios, Universal is by far the most likely to boost premium view on demand. They are owned by Comcast, America's largest cable provider. If a Universal premium view on demand is rented by a cable consumer, they capture 100% of that revenue. Because it's on their platform. Yeah, okay. Um, Theatrical window negotiations have been ongoing for years with little progress. These include Disruptor Netflix, which reportedly offered a 45-day window for some view-on-demand. In that discussion, AMC was the most active participant. At four weeks earlier than the Netflix plan, this deal is far more radical. It also includes a rev share, the value of which is TBD. At this point, AMC wanted to get ahead of the game and come to terms before theaters opened to uncertain prospects. Even before the closings, AMC was involved in particularly difficult debt negotiations and faced financial vulnerability. What this hasn't done is elevate AMC's stock price. Immediately after the announcement, the price spiked to $4.77, but quickly stabilized to previous levels around $4.12. At market open, however, AMC stock headed south at 10 10 a.m. Eastern time um, on whatever day this was. 40 minutes after opening bell, it was at 3 minutes and 96 cents. Interesting. Um, did you find... Yeah, so it says... So this is... Uh, I have two two different sources that say it's a week. Um, a, a, it's just a week? Just a week, yeah. Because like this is, is back that in... currently so this or is this... Back in February 9th, 2020. So this is before any of the... Any coronavirus stuff really like uh, shut down theaters. Yeah. Um, it says that... Netflix uh, would make deals to have a thing, uh, movies in in theaters for at least a week, showing 
at least three times daily. Uh, so, so a week, three times daily. Yeah. Wider on a certain number of screens? Uh, definitely a certain number of screens. Let me see if I can figure out how many screens exactly. Because I know... So technically I, they could go down to a week and still like be eligible for Academy Awards. Right, right. And that's the thing about Netflix. Like that's what they were doing. They were doing the bare minimum, um, like last year right. or whatever. They did the right. absolute minimum that they had to do, the number of screens and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Oh, I can't find a number of screens. Okay. Uh, the studio has seen uh, let's talk about Universal. The studio has seen a smart combination of releases with a range of franchise titles: Fast and Furious, strong animation entries like Despicable Me, Oscar winners like The Rain Book. Bloomhouse Productions, low-budget films, as well as Jordan Peele among them. Disney is almost entirely devoted to top-dollar franchises, while Warner may be more likely to shift their low-grossing dramas to HBO Max. Hmm. Universal is a higher-volume studio with an eclectic slate. It needs the flexibility of alternative platforms. Um, Focus Features is a wild card. 17 days is a minimum time in theaters, not a standard. Consumers might get confused and believe they can wait for all films. It would be less likely, for instance, for a massive film like The Fast and Furious 9. Mm -hmm. The deal terms include Focus Features as a participant, but it may be less likely to embrace the early premium view-on-demand route. AMC is a valued player for its films like Emma and The Darkest Hour, but the theatrical footprint belongs to a much wider range of exhibitors, including Landmark and Arclight, other major chains, and many smaller ones as they expand. Going premium view on demand three weeks in would potentially undercut many of its partners. It will be months before we can have a sense of the deal's impact. Universal's next release is Candyman on October 16th, but it's impossible to imagine that other studios are not working furiously to follow suit. Although exhibitors are... As retail operators are conservative and cautious, they also don't want to be left behind. AMC must have believed that the status quo of studios racing to a variety of platforms was too big a threat not to act. And now, as to whether this help helps theaters survive, that is the unanswered question. Mm. So that's wild. Like the yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about. What about these you know smaller like uh, we have a Malco theater yeah. here and uh, like you know right next to the, our house. Like mm -hmm. what if um, like now they like if AMC, who is also in this area, yeah, has made this deal that seventeen days after release, um, you can put your game, your your movie on view and demand, uh, and Malco doesn't have a cut of that, but AMC does. That just like undercuts. Like, why would I go to the Malco and yeah spend the money if I can just watch it on my TV? Yeah. So basically, the, the only impact is negative. Like there is no like upside for smaller theaters, whereas like right. for bigger theaters, you know, like we talked about with uh, the two biggest ones, you figure like, you know, or three biggest ones, Cinemark and, and Regal, they'll be fine too, probably to make those deals. Um, like they won't be as affected. Like they'll, they both get a positive side of this and a negative side of this. Um, yeah. So like hopefully it all equals out to the same as what the theory is with them. But like you said, like with like independent theaters um as well as like small theaters that still play like the the most current big movies yeah yeah that's that's fascinating by the way that that malco <sighs> i haven't been there in a really long time but you know they always had really good screens and good oh, sound totally. so yeah and i'm kind of worried about it in you know in the in the uh in what's going on you know just yeah, like just in general yeah yeah like the, the crazy thing is like with the rev share is the thing that makes it interesting because if like right. AMC is the only one who's getting any kind of money from view and demand and they, the only reason they, they are is because they're the, the biggest theater chain. Right. Uh, that's just like wildly, uh, that's like unfair to their competitors. Yeah. It almost seems like that would be, that, that would be a, uh, 
like almost like a red flag as far as like a legal thing, you know, perspective would, would be concerned. I don't know if there would be any anything, you know, legal or whatever that would be. Um, I don't know. Like them require them to make that same deal or at least offer that same deal to their competitors. I don't know. I think like honestly, I mean, I don't think we'll know that. I mean, it's funny. Those kinds of things like monopoly kind of like uh, antitrust kind of laws, like honestly – Unless until you have proof that that's how they how it actually operates, yeah, there's n- there's no way to actually like sue against right. it. Right, you can't be like, oh, this is probably going to do this. You have to have like a, a evidence where it's like, okay, this place went out of business because of this, you know. Yeah, and, like, and then well, at I, that point, it's I, yeah. too late, you know. So, yeah, um, um, it'll yeah. So like, we won't see probably the ramifications of this until uh, movies come back in theaters and. Uh, we start seeing like what actually happens in practice with these. Right, right. Well, I mean, and you think about like, you know, the the number of screens that each company kind of has, like I said, Regal's like the number two, but then Cinemark after that, but it's like, what's to stop them from being like, hey, you know, Regal, we'll give you the deal. And then, you know, Cinemark is like, oh, well, the, the, the cost uh, benefit analysis there doesn't necessarily like work out in the same way as Regal did. So, right. Well, and the, like, so I don't know what the rev share is. It's going to be interesting to see if we can ever figure that out. But like, you can't, you can't, you can't have unless it's just pennies. Yeah, it's it, you can't share your revenue from view on demand, premium view on demand with everybody. Right. Otherwise, it like, just you it think, literally doesn't like benefit you at all. You know, or it's like, oh, I'm giving I, up four hundred percent of my pie. You know, it's like that's not that can't work. Right. It's interesting, man. We'll see how it goes. Um, I probably like. It's still not day and date view and demand, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Like, I mean, the the reopening theater reopening keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, and right. no one's really coming out with any like newer movies like in the past few weeks mm-hmm. on view and demand. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. Like, do we keep holding? Do we start releasing things? You know, things like Tenant obviously won't, but like. I mean, it's inter- oh, in that, that one in, in that news. It's going to open internationally before it opens here, right. um, and then like who knows whenever it's going to open here? Because like you said, it's like it keeps pushing back um, all of the the dates. Um, I don't know, man. That's yeah, that's a fascinating thought too. Of like, would have have studios produced all of these movies and it's like, okay, well they've made done the math where it's like, okay, whenever we get a backup and running theaters reopen, like we can start releasing uh, new movies. Uh, to wide audiences and have three months or four months until we have the new movies that we're filming now um, ready to rock. And so maybe that's why we haven't seen as many like video on demand kind of releases because they're like, well, if we release any more video on demand, we're not going to have a buffer whenever things actually do reopen. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's possible. I mean, that, that would probably happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Eventually it's, you're it's, just going to run out of content, you know? Well, and I think, I think I mentioned last week it was, or no, not last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was that I went to the drive-in, it was funny seeing another preview for uh, Ryan Reynolds' Free Guy. We've literally <laughs> been watching that preview since yeah. last fall. Dude, like, <laughs> we were talking before we started the podcast, where it's like, literally, we had so many movies on our calendar. Yeah. Like, it, for the like the last two months, we were going to have like a movie every week. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's just like, that's just not happened. And that's just not I happening. Mean, that's usually what keeps us going during the summer, you know? Yeah, we've never had a, uh, a a long string of time like this where we haven't done a, a movie review on the podcast ever right. <laughs> since we started. It's so strange, man, and it feels it's so weird. weird. Like you said, like it do- in so many ways, it doesn't feel like summer, um, and that's one of the ways, like of just like yeah. man, we just not not reviewing movies. There's not new new feature films coming out. Yeah. 
Well, we'll uh, we'll see what what happens, and uh, we'll just have to. Um, I mean, honestly, I've said before. I think the last thought I want to leave with is like, I want theaters to survive. I freaking sure. love going to the theater. Yeah. Like, I don't want um, uh, that experience. Like, I prefer watching movies that way. I know mm-hmm. some people don't, but like, I, you know, I'm sitting here. You know, we're podcasting, and my uh, cat is trying to catch a fly that's flying around the house. Like. <laughs> that's not like the the premium you know movie going experience that I yeah, want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you if know. you were if you were in a theater, like if you you know paid your money to go to the theater and a a cat like walked in front of the screen or whatever, you'd yeah. be kind of pumped. You know, you'd be uh, like, yeah. ah, like, man, that's distracting, taking me out of the moment. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. and so 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 to only have that for for a bit would is is kind of disappointing. I I do. So there's things that I like about the 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 theater going experience like that you cannot replicate other ways like just cannot like thinking about like my my favorite theater experiences like Gravity or like oh, um, yeah. like even like Star Wars or like every Star Wars movie in the theaters like for the first time and and every like uh, Dark Knight on IMAX yeah like when Christopher Nolan films like whenever oh, we go man. see those like it's just like there are these big things that that are uh, that are unique and exclusive to movie theaters. Um, that I love and I can't get those like if it's just everything's at home or whatever at the same time like there are things I love about at home where it's like oh you know this is just here and and like I don't have to like worry about you know the the what showing am I going to go to you just start it whenever you can um and you know you're there for for however long so I don't know man it's it's just a, a strange place that we're in and I I really hope that this works out to where theaters remain and yet movies still continue to like be released and still continue to make money and, and be financially viable. Cause like that would be the, the, the extreme thing is like if studios can't put out movies cause they can't like make money on them in the theaters anymore, that would be the nightmare for everyone. Um, not just theaters, but like everybody in the, in, in Hollywood and in that industry. So it's like, it benefits everyone for, for both parties to, you know, get what they want and to be able to financially make it through. It's just, I hope that it does, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because like uh, the, the movie going experience, I think we, you know, oftentimes take for granted, but it is not guaranteed. No. Um, because if it starts becoming fine, it's not financially viable anymore. Uh, it will go away. And mm-hmm. like, that's just the hard economics of it. I don't, I think there will always be people, people and like nonprofits who will keep the sure. art of going to the theater alive, but that's just not, that's not the, the wide, it's just not this, it's not the same. It's like, not, yeah, it's, it's, it, and the fact that like you can walk into, uh, you know, or not right now, you can't right now, but like just on, yeah. on, in, you know, at, in 2019, let's just say in 2019, you could walk into a theater, put down your, you know, 15, 20 bucks on the counter and then go see a piece of art in the theater, hopefully yeah. with people or whatever, like that's a, that the access to that is, is not right. everywhere. Like that's a, that's a huge, you know, privilege of, uh, of, of this industry. So, whereas like, if you think about like some of the art, art kind of places, like they're not everywhere. They're, they're like access to a theater, uh, that, that does kind of those nonprofit kind of, you know, more, uh, art kind of driven, um, theaters like that's that they're not everywhere so not everybody has access to those um they also have very limited seats in a lot of cases like where it's like oh you know i there were certain things um down at the bell court in nashville that like i would have loved to go see 
but there just were the ticket availability wasn't there. Like every time I would go, oh, let me, you know, I have, I have a free night. Let me go see this thing. I would like go look on the website, sold out. You know, it's like okay, well, well, sweet. I can't can't see this in the theaters, um, which is okay. But it's like I'm glad that they're sold selling out and doing well. But at the same time, it's like that access. If those are the only theaters that 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 remain and still exist after a certain point. Um, that would be a bummer because it's like the access for everybody doesn't exist. And even just like the limited capacity, uh, is becomes a problem. Yeah. Like, um, I, I like, I'm glad you brought up the, the just like the kind of art aspect. Cause it's like, if hundreds, if not thousands of people are going to pour their, their blood, sweat and tears and hearts and souls into this piece of art, I do feel like on some level it is uh, only right that I view it in the way that they um, created it for, which mm-hmm. is on you, most of the time, unless you're you know working on a, a streaming only show or something like that. But it's in a theater on a on a big screen, mm-hmm. and it you know it's it's kind of like whenever I listen to a, a good album, I don't want to listen to it through the speakers of my phone. Right. I want to like listen to it on. Uh, you know, the best, you know, uh, headphones or like stereo that I can, because like, I mean, to me, that's part of the experience is experiencing it like that and it's fullness and it's breadth and, uh, let, letting the, I like to listen to album, like Taylor Swift's new album just came out and I, I listened to the whole thing all the way through the first night because I feel like, you know, listening to a piecemeal or not listening to it in order, like Mm. I just want to experience it for what the, um, what that person or band or group or whatever director, how they wanted me to experience it the first time. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and, and, and I think I, there's a, uh, interview I was watching with Hans Zimmer, um, from, you know, he was, he was talking about a Moog, like a mini Moog or something like that, which is, which is a, uh, a synthesizer. And he was basically trying to, you know, it was, it was a Moog like ad or a Moog, like, you know, thing on their YouTube. So like, he's clearly like they've asked him to sell this, this, uh, synthesizer that he loves to use and he uses mm. it in inception. He uses it in all these things. But as he's sitting there in front of it, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I, I always listen to things on big speakers. And he's like, he's like, I just, it's like if people like, you know, are like, oh, you know, you could, you could use headphones. And I, I just kind of, you know, think why, you know, he's like, I, I want to listen to things on the, on the biggest speakers and loud, you know, I like to l- yeah. listen to things that are big and loud. And he said like, whenever they were doing the, uh, the vinyl for like inception, mm. um, he said that they were going to cut this thing to vinyl and they kept like, you know, messaging me back and being like, Hey, there's like four seconds of silence in this one spot. And he's like, he's like, no, there's, no, there's nice. Like we pull up the file and what we gave them and we're like, no, there's not silence there. There's this, there's this, you know, there's a synthesizer. There's the mini mog is going there. And it's because the frequency was so low that vinyl, mm. like they had to filter it off right, to master right. it for vinyl. Otherwise the needle would jump or whatever. And yeah. so he's just like, no, it's good. Just, just leave it. <laughs> So it's just funny. Like you want to experience the, you know, the, the sound, especially like in something like interstellar or whatever, like in the way that Hans Zimmer wants you to. So totally, which would be, you know, probably on like the best sound system you can, which <laughs> yep. cranked these, up these to days, 11, you know, yeah. Is at, you know, a theater, you know, a Dolby Atmos theater. You right. Know? Right. Um, yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll we'll keep you all abreast of the situation. That's right. Like and we always have. It's funny. Like this is something we talked about months ago. Like it's now coming back around. It's like I don't know yep. what the next step forward is at I this know. point, but we'll find out. You know. Yep. At yep. the very least, cool. Universal is now going to be shown in AMC theaters. So that and and hopefully, uh, like I mean, my I all, this is all I want, John. 
I want to go see Tenant in the IMAX theater <laughs> and with, you know, just like on 70 millimeter film. I don't even know if they'll be able to do that oh, here, man. but I want to see it on 70 millimeter film um, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometime in the future, you know, at whatever time. Yeah. Make it 2021. That's fine. I just as see long it. as I can. Like, <laughs> yep. Um, all right. I don't know what we're talking about next week, but we'll talk about something. You can find us online at santargetpodcast.com, on social at chrishart250. And John Wright 777 And at santargetpod, please go to your podcast service of choice, review us, tell all your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on Target. Target.